Hello? Hello? Hello, Italy. I was hoping we could talk about a tale of two cities and not the book. But reality, they say you started on our side, but you were bought and sold by greed. Hello, can you hear me? Has Ron Conway got your ear planning his next big backroom deal? Like more tax breaks or bus stops for free? I can't help but count red carpets Are there any left for me? Oh, this city is filthy rich Yet there's crisis in the streets Hello from the other side The Google bus don't give no City. 
the weekly review this is roman it is friday it's december we're midway through december it's december 15th 2017 thank you so much for listening this is mutiny radio we're recording here live broadcasting here in the mission district in san francisco have a good show for folks today uh coming in at 1 p.m will be beatrice thomas and we're very much looking forward to speaking with beatrice and we'll be talking about bring your own queer and lots of other great arts and activism and great things for folks. So please do stay tuned. It's been quite a week. It's even a day. I don't know where to really begin. I've been coming in here on Mondays and filling in for DJ Asik to do Heterotopia um, from 4 to 6 p.m. And this past Monday, read an article about... It's from The Intercept. Ugh, ugh. It's about uh, Texas... I'll finish that sentence. Just like the Highway Patrol are assisting with uh, deportations and they're breaking up families and it's disgusting and it's terrible. And there's a, a long report that was, um, that was written. And I want to pull up the name of the author so folks can find this article as well. And it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. And when you think about these, some of these ice agents who are just, and the highway patrol and it's, I'm just kind of disgusted by it, to be honest. I'm not necessarily surprised. I'm just disgusted that this is something that folks are... That, that It's a job for folks that people are doing, and it involves harming people. 
So Debbie Nathan is the name of the person who wrote the article and did the uh, investigation and interviewed a lot of people. And you can find that on The Intercept. And they're also uh, also played a, an interview with a professor at UC Davis who recently, I should probably look up this person's name as well. That might be helpful, right? And this person was also talking about riots and the end what's kind of coming up next or just having an understanding of history and why things are out the way they are right now. And he was saying that in some of his classes, the students he speaks with who are undergraduates right now can't seem to imagine a time when students took up arms to demand that there be ethnic studies classes, for instance. And there was a time when students were able to do that and did that and the administration listened Reluctantly, and you know they did listen. So now the students can't imagine a time, and I think part of that has to do with the fact that the state has become so militarized, even more so than before. Not that they weren't killing students before, now even more so. So if folks want to listen, it's a really I learned a lot from it. So you can check out the if you go to mutinyradio.fm and go to podcasts and go to Monday's podcast on heterotopia this past Monday, this previous Monday. That was played then and I believe that was the 11th of December and also if you want to listen to the full interview I also recommend that as well and I am finding that information right now Joshua Clover is the name of the the professor who they spoke with and he's also a journalist and the title is Make the World Stop Joshua Clover on Capital and Riots Yet to Bloom so okay so this is just Monday and that was just only a couple things still feels very heavy. So then yesterday, there was uh, the FCC voted to repeal net neutrality, which is terrible, as we know. And there are a lot of Congress people who have taken money from the, the telecom industry, hundreds of thousands of dollars, some of them, maybe some less, and to vote against net neutrality, which is terrible. And most people are uh, against the repeal of net neutrality, and there have been trolls, there have been people who have died and their names have been used to fake, make fake comments as to supporting the repeal of net neutrality. No one's in favor of this, pretty much, except for the folks who are getting paid to say that they're in favor of it, and they don't really have an understanding of it. So that's some bad news. Also, other bad news, here to bring you the bad news today, everyone. Hope you're having drinking some coffee, having a good day. <sighs> the J20. Ugh. Oh, wow. It's it's 12.11. <laughs> I've been talking for only a couple minutes, and I'm already... Ah. J20. <sighs> Can I even get through the story without feeling so exasperated and so frustrated? So for folks who are unaware, I think most folks have been following this. However, there were protests, and rightful, rightfully as there should be protests, in D.C. in January. And at one point, hundreds of people were kettled by police, and people were arrested, and many people were facing felony rioting charges, really ridiculous charges. And the way they're trying to... The summary of this is they want to quell dissent. They want to make it so everyone is afraid to protest. And they've gone as far as to look to criminalize journalists who are reporting what's happening and criticize free speech, criminalize free speech, as well as street medics. So the folks who are there to help people, <laughs> they're also being criminalized. And that's kind of what has happened. That's the most recent update. Uh, Unicorn Riot has been doing a lot of reporting. And Gary Rowland, who I spoke with a few weeks ago, also on Heterotopia, has also been there to report as well. And, and he's on Twitter. And I believe NYC Camp is his Twitter handle, if I'm not mistaken. Ugh. 
So also you go to DefendJ20. Hashtag DefendJ20 will also be directed to their site, and they also have news, ways to donate, get the word out, etc. So this is bad news. And for folks who are like, uh, to understand the severity of it, they are linking people. So even if you happen to be there, for some reason, it's so... I don't know which part to get which part makes me the most angry or which part is the most like ridiculous. The fact that somehow breaking a window at Starbucks or setting a limo on fire is somehow worse in their eyes than police brutality that astounds me. The fact that they care more about glass than they do about a human being's body astounds me. The fact that you can be there in person, you might witness it happen and being a witness makes you criminal and suspect. That I find ridiculous and terrifying. And the folks who are reporting it, even the people who are broadcasting it, that somehow they think that that's kind of... The judges, Judge Leibovitz, uh, uh, the, the understanding that they had, or what the, the case they put forward, was that this by live-streaming a protest, instead of just showing what was happening, that somehow is encouraging people to participate in a protest, in a riot even if you're just there to report it. That's their thinking. And also, It's Going Down has had reports that the prosecutors in this case, they're linked to the white nationalist folks, etc. So, and of course, you know, a lot of us are like, oh, the justice system. Why is it called the justice system when it's not just, and there's millions of innocent people in, in prison and millions of guilty people who are running this country? I don't know. That's my understanding of it. Okay, so that's just a couple things. <laughs> we'll get to more, though, because that's only a couple things that have happened, a few things that have happened. <sighs> so in San Francisco, our mayor, Ed Lee, passed away, and he was 65. And that came as a shock to a lot of folks. And reading about Ed Lee, he started out by being this tenants' rights activist and was really radical and did a lot of incredible work. And as he became mayor, that focus seemed to shift. And perhaps when you're in a position of power, one has to make more compromises and you get money thrown at you and there's tech and there's this idea of, oh, innovation, and then at what cost? And the city has pretty much been devastated in terms of the folk, the evictions, people who have been forced to move out, the, the homeless or houseless, I should say, folks who are unhoused right now. 70% of the people who are on the streets used to have housing here in San Francisco. And for a city that has these very rich tech companies, for instance, Twitter, and another thing is that they don't, Twitter doesn't pay their taxes. So we have these tech companies that are here that are bringing in a lot of profit. There's a wealth disparity that's larger than Rwanda right now in this city. So you have folks walking around who make upwards of six figures a year, and you have folks on the street who are working and cannot afford a place to live. So there's this disparity. And also San Francisco, for many of us, a lot of us came here, some of us were born in the Bay Area, and some folks came here because it was one place where we might be able to fit in, or not necessarily have to fit in, a place where we might be more accepted. A lot of people leave their homes and say, oh, I can, I can come here for trans and queer folks. A lot of the people would want to come here, ideally, in the history of the city, recent history, not super, super recent, but previously. Uh, it's a place where folks would come to, to be accepted, to find community, to find others who are like us. And if people can't afford to live here, then where do people go? And so then people from San Francisco have moved out to Oakland. People in Oakland have had to move out. So then it's, it's just kind of, there's this ripple effect. <sighs> 
And so people's responses has been across the board. And my whole thing is, is just in general. Uh, and I also appreciate Brokeass Stewart also wrote a, an obit that I thought was well done and wanting to appreciate the work that the mayor had done earlier in his career and also recognize that for the past six years, the city has been under a lot of turmoil and that should not be forgotten. And also think about the behavior too, because when folks think about people in positions of power who cause harm, and I guess there's a, certainly there's a spectrum, right? Ideally, in an ideal situation, when someone's causing harm, you want them to stop. You want them to recognize what they're doing is wrong. You want them to change their behavior, and if possible, to talk to other people who are also continuing on with that toxic behavior. That's the ideal situation. I feel if people are no longer, you know, I, I get that if this is going to the extreme, when folks talk about, it's difficult. The long, that's the long term, perhaps, because it's, it's easier said than done, right? The idea is that education will solve everything. If everyone can have a full understanding, a truthful understanding of how things work and what's happening and their own part in it, then the behavior can change and that can change. And in the meantime, though, people are dying, though, because poverty is violence. There are people who are being locked away, people who are starving, people without housing, people without health care. That itself is violence. So it's also difficult, I think, for a lot of us to think in terms of the long term because we don't have that option. And I think about a friend of mine who I met in the city years ago, and he had to leave for some family reasons, and he, gave up, he had to give up his rent-controlled apartment. And he went to go take care of some family. He experienced a tremendous amount of transphobia with his family, and he was unable to come back to the city because it wasn't a, he didn't have a, a, a choice. He had lived here for decades. And the fact that he could not come back to the city, he didn't have a choice. There was nothing he could do and in, in his mind. And he took his own life. So when I think about... That's just one example of what happens when... Folks come to a place where they think they can live safely and they can't they can no longer afford it. What what happens then? And also I think a lot of people who live here don't appreciate it, and that's really frustrating. I was speaking to, well actually I was spoken to yesterday on the train. Uh, a woman came up and was speaking to some friends and I and speaking a lot about how twenty years ago this was a utopia. And then some folks came in with just really unfortunate behavior. Became People became kind of mean. And a lot of people had to leave. The kind people had to leave. And then other folks who were here ended up kind of adopting some of that behavior. And I definitely feel that. I feel if I have to navigate my way through folks who are unkind and mean, even on the streets, even on my bike, <laughs> or get, getting through the city, it's hard not to internalize some of that and then to maybe repeat that behavior. So I think the main question now is how do folks not emulate some of the toxic behavior that is in this city, that's in this country? And for me, a lot of it's fear-based. It's There's a lot of anxiety. I was anxious before this election, and I hope folks really recognize that, that this show has been... I've been doing this show since 2013, and even then, there were a lot of problematic things that the government and law enforcement were doing. 
and they had to be held accountable and they weren't held accountable. Now this is where we're at, where we're at. And this is also just a very recent thing. I mean, this has been happening since before we were born. This is what happens when people don't get told no or when people get told no and still don't listen. Ugh. On a positive note, if I can have a positive note here, and I guess I can, uh, started off the show. So there was a, so Candace Roberts was the name of the singer of that cover of Adele's hello. And I was contemplating whether or not to, to play it. And I felt it was very much just on point in that here's someone who really started out helping people and did a lot of great work and then did not. And it was really important to, to recognize that. So if folks want to read more, uh, more about what Ed Lee, um, his career starting out, I think it's also just very important just to know where folks come from and how, for folks who are doing that work, how to not burn out and how to continue on with that path. And also when greed is, you know, the idea of, making compromises and I can't speak. I don't I wouldn't want to be in that kind of position of leadership. I would not. And at the same time, for those who are seeking that out and, or believe they can do that, how can, how can that work for folks to actually take care of the people? Is that even possible? So if you go to brokeassstuart.com, there was an article written on November 13th, 2014 called the secret long hair radical activist history of mayor Ed Lee. And on a positive note, perhaps we should, while not discounting how the city's been in the past six years, also recognize the work that, the decades of work that he did. So he also was really instrumental in the uh, Ping Yuan rent strike in 1978 and encouraged a lot of folks who were not, their buildings were just, the landlords were not taking care of it. Someone was murdered in their building and he encouraged folks to not pay rent. And they went on a rent strike and eventually the landlords came around and decided to to fix up the building and to actually like they agreed to all the long list of improvements that the tenants wanted and he also spent time suing i think i believe the um was it the is it the sf pd Um, he, he sued a lot of folks. I should probably, uh, when I actually just read the, uh, all the specifics here. So the article goes through a lot of this. I'm, I'm skimming it now and I really encourage folks to, to look at it. So, uh, Okay, so he, yes, he did sue the SFPD over height requirements. And he also sued the city's fire department um, for racial hazing. And he sued the family associations, Chinatown's traditional bosses over development projects that would have bulldozed the neighborhood's past. So it's important to mention that. Okay, so after that song, Hello, Ed Lee, which you can find on YouTube. We also played a new song from one of my favorite bands, Wolf Parade, and that's called You're Dreaming. And I really forgot how much I like them. They're a Canadian band, and I like the music. I like their lyrics. It's good stuff. All right. So I've said quite a bit. I'm going to take another music break, and we're going to play a little bit more Wolf Parade. And this is um, another 
Uh, so they have a new album out called Cry, 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 which is quite apropos for the... Uh, where we're at right now, I think. And I hope I didn't, you know... I don't want to make folks feel more sad or upset. And at the same time, I think it's just important to talk about what's actually happening and how one feels. So this next song is also by Wolf Parade off their album, Cry, Cry, Cry. And I think it reminds me a lot of San Francisco. And perhaps if you listen to lyrics, you can hear that as well. So that's coming up next. And then we'll be back with some more news.
All right, so that was Wolf Parade with Artificial Life, and that's off their new album, Cry, Cry, Cry. A great name for an album. That's how I think a lot of us feel. Anyway, as I was starting the show, I didn't even get to the election in Alabama, which was on a lot of folks' minds. And thanks to a lot of black voters, uh, uh, this fucking shit stain, uh, Roy Moore was defeated. And, uh, I mean, the bar is so low. Perhaps I should rename the, the show the, 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 the Weekly Low Bar. Like, how low can the bar be? Can folks not elect, can white folks not fucking elect a pedophile who has said, I won't even repeat some of the things he said. It's so outrageous and so racist and so fucking disgusting. And he didn't, it was a close race. That's the issue. And there was a lot of voter suppression too. And then also, I think we should also look at the folks who are incarcerated and can't vote or do not, are not able to vote. So I think there's a lot of relief on that end. And then it's also, and yes, Doug Jones did, prosecute the kkk and that's good and also he's a democrat and also he's in favor of increasing defense spending so sorry to uh i don't mean to uh, it's just there's a such a low bar the, the bar is so low i tripped over it i think i mean it's like i don't even know where the there's i can't even see it it's so far below and that's uh, ugh. hopefully with talking about this i don't necessarily feel better i do feel getting it out and recognizing it for what it is makes me feel a little bit more uh, ah, like instead of keeping it in my body because it is disgusting and unfortunately for this country a lot of it's not new a lot of it's not surprising a lot of it is not shocking given what a lot of folks live through every day so perhaps there are some folks who are now waking up to see exactly how fucked up things are and the sooner we can find ways to work together to change it and to build a new world, the better off we'll be. Which also brings me to another song I can play. <laughs> Am I all ready for another music break just so soon? Uh, speaking of which, so uh, uh, I will be playing some more music. However, I wanted to get to another article, and that's ways... There, there's a lot of things to complain about. Absolutely. I like. I think a lot of the show, I'm reporting the news and I'm also complaining about it. So what are some actions that folks can take? There's a really fucking awesome event that is coming up tonight and I hope folks can go. If you can't go, please invite people. It's really great. So there's an awesome organization called Community Ready Corps and they've done some incredible trainings. I've been to some of these and they're just fucking awesome and rad and I cannot... Um, support them enough like i cannot uh what's uh, running out of words i'm running out of words just an incredible incredible organization and you can like them on facebook uh community ready corps is what they're called and there's an event tonight called defend our spaces how to build effective self-defense and tonight december 15th is take back bart bystander intervention training and this is a public event you can find it on facebook it's today from 6 30 p.m to 8 30 p.m and it is at 2501 International Boulevard in Oakland. And I recommend, if you're able to, please, please go. <sighs> so the details. Uh, with white nationalist slash alt-right activity and racist harassment on the rise in our public transportation system, Community Ready Corps, CRC, is calling for a campaign to make BART safe for all. In just the last month, there were several sightings of BART passengers openly displaying neo-Nazi symbols as tattoos, pins, or patches on outer clothing, and one incident of racist harassment that went viral after being caught on tape. And they have a link to the video. 
And in, in this video, a white BART passenger repeatedly calls an Asian, an Asian passenger, I'm not going to repeat what he said, fucking disgusting, and even physically assaulted him. And it took far too long for any bystanders to intervene. And one cowardly white man actually got up and got out of the way, leaving the target of harassment even more vulnerable to the attack. As a community, we need to prepare ourselves to intervene safely in these situations. Public transportation needs to be safe for all of us. 430,000 Bay Area residents rely on BART to get to work every day. We need to organize collectively to create a climate of safety on BART and send the strong message that the Bay Area is united against hate, that our community won't tolerate racist intimidation and harassment on BART. In our next workshop, held Friday, December 15th, that's today, from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., at the ACCE office will apply the proactive response model we introduced in the first series of workshops, self-defense, digital security, and intelligence gathering, and hearts and minds, to the physical space of the Bay Area Rapid Transit System. The first half of this workshop will be a training for safe and effective bystander intervention and self-defense by Field Marshal Turha Ak and Deputy Field Marshal Che Bo. This training is appropriate for anybody of any skill level and will equip community members with skills they can use to intervene, de-escalate, and defend themselves against racist harassment and violence. We strongly encourage anti-racist white people to come to this training and get skilled up. In the second half, we'll break into working groups to begin growing this campaign of hashtag TakeBackBart. Hope to see you there. Please invite your friends to this workshop. So again, you can find the event on Facebook. And it's happening tonight from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at 2501 International Boulevard in Oakland. And it's called Take Back BART Bystander Intervention Training, hosted by Community Ready Corps. And you can also like them on Facebook. Uh, really great organization. Just awesome. I support them wholeheartedly. Please do come out if you're able. And, and definitely also spread the word. You can share it. I'm going to share it right now even, again, because it's just that important. And this is what direct action looks like. This is, yeah, just good, good, good. Okay. So, all right. So, um, share as a post. I'm going to, oops, I think I've shared it twice. That's okay. And next, I'm going to share it on the Facebook weekly review page. So, if you're on Facebook at the moment right now while you're listening, um, you can check that out as well. So I'm going to play some music and then we'll get back <laughs> to some more news stories, including, how about this? I'll do a lead in for a story. I seldom do that. It's usually, what's, what are we going to talk about next? And this is something, another thing that's a positive action that folks can take. And this is that uh, folks are calling on, in San Francisco, people to call uh, 311 instead of 911 when dealing with homeless uh, encampments. So if, uh, there's an article in the Mission Local, and we're going to be I'm having some difficulty here online. However, I'll be reading that article in just a bit, so please do stay tuned. And at 1 p.m., we'll be joined by Beatrice Thomas. So stay tuned. Is talk going round this town? Keep it down now. Keep it down now. Noises closing in from all sides, warning all the ways to die. 
All right, and welcome back. That was a band called Joseph with Burn the White Flag. Next up, an article from Mission Local that came out on December 13th and is written by Julian Mark. And the title of the article is SF Homeless Advocates Recommend Residents Call 311-911 on Homeless. And a lot of us would say, let's not call 911 on anybody. Uh, Homeless Advocates last Wednesday asked the San Francisco Police Commission to reduce SFPD's role in responding to homelessness. The commission seemed receptive to the recommendations, indicating that they'd assist in seeing most of them fulfilled, but no formal vote was taken. Moreover, it quickly became clear that police are often on the front lines of the homeless issue because they are the only department able to respond at any hour. Police, I'm going to interject my own opinion here, uh... Why the police have more funding than any? Oh, I, I, ah, okay. The, it's frustrating that we, I guess, the country we live in is really focused on putting money towards militarization, and I think it should go towards rehabilitation and helping people. That's my perspective. Okay, moving forward. Uh, Police have also fallen into the role of enforcer when various city agencies, such as the Department of Public Works and the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, clear encampments, said Kelly Cutler of the Coalition on Homelessness. But police have no services to offer, period. I'm going to finish the sentence, though. Uh, Aside from those provided by other departments, advocates argued. Moreover, the coalition said that police have continued to enforce so-called anti-homeless laws that prohibit loitering, panhandling, and sleeping on sidewalks. Commander David Lazar, who heads the department's community engagement division and oversees a team of 10 homeless outreach officers. I can't. Okay. Uh, said the department receives some 5,000 homeless related calls per month citywide. The mission averaged 1,284 homeless related calls per month from July 2016 to July 2017, the most of any district according to police data. Lazar also said the department is training its dis- dispatchers to educate callers about the proper agency to contact in a non-emergency homeless situation. He said, too, that his officers are doing less enforcement, that's in quotations, and working to better direct the street population to services. Our plan is to get individuals into the help they need, Lazar said. Although we're police officers and we enforce the law, when we see someone get into the navigation center, stabilization and supportive housing, that's the win. Okay. The coalition recommended that the SFPD monitor its 911 dispatch number to transfer calls for service on the homeless who are not violent or in crisis to 311, where the person is more likely to get services. As it works now, a resident will call 911 and police attend to the call and often end up giving the homeless person a citation, quality of life violations, according to the coalition. The person has no money to pay the citation and moves to another spot where another resident may call. The coalition projected that in 2017, police will issue 10,790 quality of life citations, such as urinating, defecating, or drinking in public, and will issue 6,676 quote-unquote anti-homeless citations for sleeping, camping, and panhandling among, panhandling, among others. Those numbers, however, have declined more than 30% from 2016. Nevertheless, the coalition has said that such citations can result in accruing fines, suspended driver's licenses, and even arrest warrants against those who don't pay. Most disruptive, the coalition said, was moving people from place to place. It's not possible to police people out of public space, primarily because there's nowhere to go, said Delara Yarbrough, 
an assistant professor at San Francisco State University and a member of the Coalition on Homelessness. The police can become involved with a homeless person for a variety of circumstances, Lazar later told Mission Mission Local. Officers might ask a person to take their tent down for public safety reasons, he said, or police might accompany public works during the cleaning of an encampment. The Coalition on Homelessness, a homeless advocacy group, presented the results of a study it conducted with more than 350 homeless individuals in late 2014. It found that forced displacements by police and the Department of Public Works increased safety risks among the homeless population, particularly women. The study also found that police involvement causes undue stress to the population. You don't need a study. Okay. You don't need a study to say that police involvement causes stress to the fucking population. Although, I'm glad that we've got the research to back it up. And I'll interject with my own experiences. Two of the times when I've been assaulted by police officers has been when they have been like harassing folks who are on the street. And I have been like, hey, what's going on here and other people are like what's going on here and the police don't oh so i'm just putting that out there in the universe that yes police involvement does cause stress okay moving forward some 91 percent of respondents who police forced to move from a public space remained on the streets just in different neighborhoods of those respondents who were forced to move less than 12 percent were offered services the study found We don't think police should be dispatched to respond to these issues. That's helping this constant churn as individuals are driven from one neighborhood to another, Yarbrough said. Overall, the commission seemed to support the recommendations, especially shifting the protocol to the more appropriate agencies, such as the homeless outreach team and the mobile crisis team. The latter is able to provide on-the-spot medical treatment. If a person appears to have a psychiatric issue and is not acting violently, for example, the homeless outreach or mobile crisis teams should be responding to a 311 call instead of police, said Jennifer Friedenbach, director of the Coalition on Homelessness. Police Chief Bill Scott said that currently the city does not have the social service capacity to respond to all of the calls at any time of, of, day, of the day. The department would have to coordinate with other city agencies to build that kind of system. And it is clear that if someone is not acting violently or is in a mental crisis, residents often call the police. Commissioner Joe Marshall explained that he has a daycare next to his office, and sometimes his employees are intimidated by homeless people who linger around his office. If someone shows up like that and my employees are concerned, who should I tell them to call, Marshall asked. Lazar said that in an emergency, such as someone taking their clothes off or acting violently in public, people should call 911. Those emergency situations we all know when we see it, Lazar said. Yet, in non-emergency situations, such as a homeless encampment, Lazar said, to call 311. That's a one-stop shop phone number in San Francisco, he said. Addressing the coalition's recommendations, Commissioner Petra de Jesus said, that's something we can do. It's clear we're not talking about criminal activity. We're talking about the things we can do to reduce police response to homelessness. Great. How about we <laughs> reduce the police response to everything? Oh, okay. So again, you can check out that article at missionlocal.org. And yeah, if you've been listening to this show, if you're alive in the world, uh, I guess not everyone has had negative experiences with police. A lot of us have. And the fact that homeless and, I should say, unhoused folks are criminalized is just disgusting. It's fucking disgusting and not at all looking at the root problems. You're building these giant, ugly condos. I mean, they're, that's wrong for a lot of reasons, and they're also ugly. And you got people on the streets who, it's, it's so obscene. It's really obscene. Capitalism is the, the root of the problem here. Also, I was speaking with someone who's British, and they mentioned that 
in England, there's no term like the 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 term homeless is not used. It's uh, rough sleepers, which I thought was interesting. I hadn't heard that before. So it's also interesting the way we think about things here and the language we use. I'm also wanting to be more aware of that here. Okay, so we're going to take a bit of a music break, and then we'll be back in just a bit. So please do stay tuned. And you're listening to Mutiny Radio here at mutinyradio.fm. Coming up later today at 3 p.m. is Women's Magazine with Global Val, followed by the Common Thread Collective with Global Val and Diamond Dave. So we're going to play some more Wolf Parade for you, so please do stay tuned.
And welcome back to the Weekly Review. I'm joined here by Beatrice Thomas. Beatrice, thank you so much for being here. Hello. How you doing, Roman? Hi. Good. So nice to see you. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it. we just saw each other a couple weeks ago, but it's just nice to see. Like, even we, we've had more seeing each other since we met in this past um, sort of few November, months. December. Yeah. 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 And Our we, worlds are converging. Yeah, I like it. And we met originally, um, it was 2016, I believe, at the, in the uh, or 15. 15, maybe. As, uh, for the, as Queer as Queer as Fuck, the production at Bindlestiff during yes. uh, Pride. And it was a really incredible, uh, incredible performances. And there are so many great folks involved. And it was a really valuable time. That's so funny. I was like trying to remember when we met. And I had put it at 
the art, art, what did we do? It was an artist study hall. Oh yeah. Me and Kevin Seaman had done an artist study hall, which we were like, uh, we both are, um, consultants and artists and we've been like working and funding and we're just like, we're stepping out on our own. Like we want to make all of the knowledge we have available to artists, primarily QTWPOC. Holla. Um, how do we do this? Because consultants charge a lot of money and I understand why because you have no institution no healthcare yeah. <laughs> you have nothing but we were like okay let's how do we democratize this let's do a big artist study hall we just make ourselves available everyone pays 30 bucks like and like you were one of the six artists that came it's so awesome no, I'm kidding I think it was 10 oh yeah you know yeah there was like a good group of folks there honestly just having a really good deep conversation with artists that is helping them is because it's so personal when you have information that can help someone that it really feels very rewarding regardless. Yeah. But, um, my plan for making big money by democratizing the knowledge was, you know, a learning experience, but I met you and we've done such cool um, things together since then. Yeah. Yeah. It was very helpful. And as a, as an artist, it's, I even have trouble accepting that term or that label. And it is so tricky, like how to uh, support oneself, you know, in addition, we have like the other, the day, day jobs, night jobs, part-time jobs, in addition to being an artist. And then when one is making art, how does one, um, how can one be rewarded for that or when it's and art is antithetical in a lot of ways to capital like like art is rewarding but not being paid for your art still sucks yeah you know yeah and like i think that there is this thing that i feel like only right-wing conservatives could come up with which is like art it's a you're just so happy to be following your passion and it's just like, nah, bitch, I would like to get paid. Yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, um, it's a myth. This, this, con- this concept of the starving artist is a myth. Like, when I think about it, like, um, I think that one of the, I love stories. They really helped me learn. And one of the stories that I remember um, that resonated with me was when um, a mentor teacher back in uh, grad school was just like, artists, the starving artists. Like, do you, like, Da Vinci, these, these were like artists who had, were bankrolled by Mm. rich people, Mm. right? Like, well, like uh, monarchy, Mm -hmm. monarchy bankrolled artists. So this idea, yes, you know, maybe, maybe in feudal, feudal France or wherever, like, um, if you were just like a kid who's like, mom, I don't want to herd the sheep. I don't know what French accent is. Mom, I don't want to herd the sheep. I don't know if they even heard you. I don't want to make the champagne. Uh, like, I just don't. I studied art, which has a history to it, but it's, you know, I'm creative. So no, you're French. You don't want to herd the sheep champagne. And you're like, I want to be an artist. Maybe that's not going to be your path. But um, when you look at like the bohemian culture of that time, um, it was very much facilitated by rich people. Rich people had the time to, you know, study art. Mm. So oftentimes it was, you know, um, the the kids of rich people, not unlike today. (laughs) Yeah. Not unlike today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it, it is it is rather elitist, but it has been democratized 
not as much, I think, for um, queer uh, folks of color, queer people and POC people and queer POC people, Mm -hmm. right, in particular. So I think that it's really important to me that artists understand their inherent value, understand how their skills translate into, you know, um, marketable skills, not like go get a job at the tech company, but like, what do we do? We, we grab artists from, I mean, we grab ideas from the air and we turn them into amazing projects. That's a skill that's like a magic skill, but it's also involves project management. Mm-hmm. We have to engage budgets. We have to engage um, uh, social media, marketing, networking, all of these things that if you start to think about, well, where are the areas, these ancillary pieces that I'm using for my practice? Is there someone out there who maybe needs these skills that I have? And, and then is there a market rate that I can charge for them? Mm-hmm. You know, that was one thing. But then I think just in general on practice, did you go to art school? Um, I went, I went to a liberal arts college. Right. So okay. Ish. You knew our, our kids or like theater yeah. fags. Uh, or oh like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Knew like, them and was them. <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah, you studied art. Yeah. And like, did they ever teach you how to like go out and get yourself your your first acting job nope. or your first like gallery show <laughs> or your first anything no not at all no. not a drop no nope. and and those classes those are were like um professional development classes they were they used to be a track hmm. right you would you would um in universities if you went to the uni- university um you would get you would have this as a part of your curriculum these artist mm-hmm. development programs that kind of teach you about like putting together packages for galleries or um how to like get into international exhibitions or like what residencies or how just how to shape um an arts career strategically and then it became like you know one class and then it became like an elective and now it's just not there anymore and so you have like tons of kids including myself I'm no longer exactly a kid 42 yo what's up um but I, you know, I came out and I didn't know anything. I had like a lot of dreams. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like about what I was going to create and do and make. And then you're dropped into the world where there is, there is no facility right. for you. There's no like university theater where you can like get time to like practice and then put on your performance and yeah. like, you can't send it to the like university PR thing. So it gets on the calendar for all the, you know. It's just like not there. So um, learning about grants, sharing information about grants and how to look at grants and then learning about how to construct like an art career strategically has Mm -hmm. been just like a mission to like figure out how the hell do you do this? One for me, just a shortcut. I I got out of school and I read a book called How to Thrive as an Artist (laughs) and like... It was the most intimidating thing. It had so many, like, there's like a lot of business part stuff to it. And I was just like, I know what I'll do. I'll get a job Mm -hmm. in the arts. Yeah. And then like learn what I need to know to be an artist. And, you know, that was not, uh, I would just highly recommend, like, you should just work with me because you could save yourself 10 years. Of like working for municipal arts agency. Yeah. <laughs> not did not get me closer to my art. Yeah. 
I did learn a lot. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm so, I'm so blessed for it because I got to work, um, hashtag blast. Um, (laughs) 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 why is that so funny? It's funny. Um, but I, I, yeah, it was, it's like muggle, muggle life in the arts, you know, it's, it is, righteous work but it it was um slow change is slow yes it is so slow and i wanted to get closer to it so i like ditched that yeah and was like i gotta center art practice and i gotta like be a consultant whatever that is Mm -hmm. and it's been it's just like um I don't know. It was so great to leave because I got to now like I have like a performance practice and Mm -hmm. I have an arts practice and I have like a consulting practice. I like set a goal to like have a consulting practice that would help QTWPOC. And it's like I have contracts that are about building power in like the community that is of the most meaning to me. Yes. Um. I just launched a artist, a QTPOC artist residency at Safe House Arts. Oh, nice. It's called Airspace. Okay. We have some really amazing artists um, who, I think we tried to pick artists who hadn't quite had institutions sort of vet and validate their work. Mm-hmm. But we've kind of started, we're starting, it's small, but we're starting a movement. The other QTPOC artists in the organization are like, are stepping up and stepping in. And, you know, it's a collective collaborative organization safe house so it's just providing like a really amazing platform and venue for artists so that that is currently one of my like i'm like i'm getting paid for my dreams guys oh nice it's nice to know that it's possible it is possible it is it's i think that we have to think strategically and there's not enough like conversation around how to think strategically how Mm. to like develop a two-year artist plan for yourself you know yeah. stuff like that but that's not the only thing i'm interested in roman oh yeah well oh, please yeah. do tell well why don't you tell oh. <laughs> where we most recently saw each other we most recently saw each other at an awesome event um sponsored put on by byoq bring your own queer bring your own was queer. the there's also was a great event that was in golden gate park earlier this year and this previous one was about resistance as far as queer artists go mm-hmm. and it was a day long and it was wonderful and was held at the lgbt center and there's a lot of really good conversations and dialogue and ways to look internally at like our places in society and talking about privilege and how we can also work together to create the world we want to live in yeah you got it. Oh my God. Thank you for that. Um, that, you know, so that workshop was called a, called creative resistance and it was me and, uh, Dr. Chris White, who is, uh, one of the director of education or something. He's, he's a big muckety muck over at the gender, Oh, oh, well, it used to be called the GSA, and I know they've changed their name. Right, it used to be the Gay Straight Alliance. Yeah. It is no longer that. It's It's like like gender... Gender... In sexualities. Gender and sexualities. Association or... Some network. Wow, we're bad queers. We're close. We are, you know what? Like, if you guys go Google it... Mm-hmm. generally just google gsa they will inform you about their name change and then you can uh you can uh email roman <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> at Mutiny Radio. What's what's the what's the address? Uh, email. You can email me at djrymer at gmail dot com. Ooh, DJ Rymer. Yeah. Gmail dot com. So you can just inform him about uh, what the name is. Yes. <laughs> Uh, GSA Network. Da, 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 da. Oh, you're looking um, at your phone. No fair. Um, Put it down. Genders and sexualities. Dot dot dot. So they won't even even Google. It won't even tell us. I have to click on it. So <laughs> won't even tell. Gender and sexualities is how it begins. Anyway, it's a really cool organization. But Dr. Chris is, um, you know, this is just we were just so lucky to get him to uh, co-facilitate the program that that workshop uh, started as a workshop that Kevin Seaman and Dr. Chris um, put together and it was for Groundswell Institute which is a queer um, sort of radical fairy adjacent which I love that definition they're like not exactly but adjacent um, a retreat center up in uh, Ukiah no is it Ukiah no Yorkville Yorkville Mendocino County Mm -hmm. beautiful 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 space just really amazing working farm eco village just really beautiful people um up there who run this space and they host uh different events uh sort of social justice and uh queer events and so they initially did that workshop up there and i think they it started out being called uh well-meaning art no no art for well-meaning white folks Mm. or white people i don't know they, their idea was like, okay, it's mostly uh, cisgendered white men, cisgendered gay white men, like we're cisgendered gay white men. We are doing this work around social justice, equity, um, you know, inclusivity. Maybe we should talk to each other, right? Like maybe the burden shouldn't be just on, you know, folks of color to constantly do this work or educate or what have you, just yeah. like you know, really appreciated like this sort of taking agency of just saying like, we have some expertise, we don't have to have it all, mm-hmm. but we can start the conversation. And it was just, it's I do this work with um, Kevin and with Chris, obviously. And, but it was really, you know, I just, I was very charmed by, it was, I, I have been charmed by this. I went, I saw something and someone was just like, people of color, are not the only ones who hold, who can hold knowledge about race, ethnicity, and it like interrelational inter- mm-hmm. things that yeah. like, in fact, um, if you do the work, a person of any ethnicity, i.e. white folks, can hold knowledge and expertise and share that knowledge and expertise with other members of the community, but also other members that maybe look like them, mm-hmm. that maybe will have an easier time receiving that information. Yes, yes. So, like, so that was pretty, that was, I mean, so it's that's just like a great genus. And the, in the end, we were all like, well, that was nice. But what we really want to do is talk about art. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, I, I don't know, even though I love that they were doing it, those are my people do it. Like we do workshops and stuff together and we're like trying to change the world together. I was like, I want to be up in there. So I love that I didn't have to be up in there, Yes, yes. but I was still like, damn it, I'm trying to be up in there. And then, so we retooled it. Um, Kevin, uh, you know, got some funding to produce these workshops, creative resistance workshops. And we retooled it to really have an angle about like, how do we have these dialogues? How do we look at the issues that are 
fucking pissing us off right now, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. things that we need to resist. And like, maybe you don't want to protest. I like, I'm a queer black woman. I like hear the words protest, fight and resist and I'm immediately a hundred times more tired, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't want to fight. That has been the context for my a context for my ethnicity for as long as I can remember. And it's just, it's just, it's an exhausting one. Yeah. But I'm nobody's bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a part of the resistance too. So how do we do this? And we do this through art and demonstration and, and, um, and there's a framework for it. And this, I do a lot of, um, performances that are I consider them demonstrations that are call-ins and calling in and welcoming people to participate in resistance along Mm -hmm. with me and that's just like that's kind of my steez um I don't think we can do it alone like I love people I mean I love I love the idea of community Right. And I am working in service of like the idea of a of a working, healthy and functional community that like has room in it for all people, all bodies, Mm -hmm. all colors, all persuasions. Right. Yes. um, And and so that's what I am. I work in service of. So I I, anyway, my point What's my point. My point is, is that we wanted to create like a workshop that really kind of helped like capture how to have these conversations, how to be really thoughtful about issues and and um, talking about race or like are there shoulds and shouldn'ts like or how can you use inquiry as a method of mm-hmm. like engagement and then how that can translate to direct creative actions yes like which larry that larry bogad yes yes like uh, yes and I actually um played that on one of the shows here that i've been like sitting in for i played the just so even though you one who's listening might not get the full example by seeing the, the photos of the protest i think even the language that he uses and the ideas that it can spark are really important oh my god so good i mean he literally wrote the book on tactical performance um and i've just learned so much just reading his book and I got to interview him for a story that I'm working on, on uh, Joan Jet Black, who is the first uh, black drag trans drag queen non-binary person to run for office for president and mm-hmm. for mayor first for mayor of Chicago and then president twice. I think the, the um, slogan was Bush lick them in 92 oh if only i could have voted then i mean i was only old enough to i feel like he got ten thousand votes which like seems like pretty good yeah oh yeah i think it's pretty good we'd be living in a much different world if i mean he his like camp i mean it was a it was an act of creative resistance it was tactical performance to the end he was run by the gay liberation party they had talked about what to anticipate they campaigned in gay bars mm-hmm. um they like some you know they were the first like queer you know float in the chicago st patrick's day parade oh wow huh. yeah they um a senator i don't even know which senator it was but the senator gave them their space right so it was they were not legitimately there yeah <laughs> like but they were there 
And, um, you know, they used media. They captured it. There's some, like, um, documentaries online and very, 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 very cool stuff. But uh, we kind of went through, like, what what how you plan for a creative an act of creative resistance that they're replicable we looked at all different types of creative resistances which one was your favorite oh my um from the the examples oh i mean the cl- i mean the clowns it was like that's the first thing that comes to mind well mm-hmm. there's the clowns both times there's the clowns who are against you know dressing up against the cops right oh and then i'm thinking i'm also thinking of the, the other example that we we spoke about um with yes. the I think in oh the name of the organization that did it in something in decline in decline thank you yes who did the, the we had some very strong feelings yes. like, they did the KKK clowns yes. they also did the naked Trump statue yeah. and they have videos online and like maybe they're like more in the aggro white art boy kind of thing though I know they have folks of color in their organization we had, and I just showed it to like kind of, because people either really love it or they really hate it. Yeah. Or they feel like unresolved about it. Yes. Yeah. Um, my favorite was Museum Detox, which were the people who did the white privilege clinic. Oh, yes. Yes. That yes. was my favorite. That was like, that one when I saw it, I was like, oh, because I think I'd been thinking really visual. Yeah. And then this one was like, no, they set up this whole like, they were at a conference. They set up the tables. They had the good, all of the the language that they were using was the language of the institution. And mm-hmm. then it was like, let's go sit down. Here's a cute little survey for you to do. It won't take you more than 10 minutes. And then we'll have a quick chat. And it's just a check survey, so it's less than 10 minutes. But it just was like they were able to then have a really brief conversation about the test and then the folks who are administering the test were just very adept at segueing into so taking what you learn from this test Mm -hmm. how would you apply that in terms of people of different ethnicities experiencing the gallery like or in the museum world yes like how does this inform like maybe how you will make decisions or who like what kind of awarenesses you need to bring into your space to make it more welcoming to different types of people it was cool. I really liked that one a lot. Yes. And that one also was really just about direct action and how you can like that kind of instant having an impact on someone. Loved and it. I really just also love the idea of like diversity of tactics too, and how there's so many different ways that folks can take action and participate. And I think yes. I wish I, I want to kind of manifest that, that folks remember that, that no matter what you're able to do and what I, whatever you're, it's like there's so many ways to participate. There is. And it's just, I think that it's really, instead of feeling bad about what you don't want to do, be aggressive about looking for what you do want to do. Yes. Yes. You know, like I just, I'm like always trying to make a statement with like, my, you know, I'm going to do a performance tonight at the SF Oasis Black Benatar will be in the house and it's just a cute party starts at 10 whatever but the I want I was I want to do a number and I'm like what is this number it's just I should just it should just be something casual I should just like just get up there and just perform because like no one's like expecting anything but I just gotta like have something and so I just like have these really beautiful women of different sizes behind me and we're doing a Lizzo number and it's just like there's just it's just a piece about body diversity and and like and like girl squad 
yes. it's gonna be so cute oh nice oh my god and i'm also just remembering the piece that you showed us that you did at the at, at, at the gay pride at gay pride queer pride whatever whatever pride's called now pride that just was pride pride and it was incredible just oh the the black lives matter signs in the back and just how stunning that was and that was even seeing the video footage of it was so incredible and i can only imagine what it was in in person just oh. i was on the jumbotron yo oh. i was on the jumbotron so incredible i'm still trying to get video from that performance from um pride shade oh delivered oh definitely but seriously <laughs> like i mean i don't even know if i've asked but they could have offered i mean seriously yeah. i performed for free on the main stage so yeah pride where you at bride yes like if you're not giving me some money could you send me that link yo because i got to see me on the jumbotron and anyway that piece was cool that piece started in a club on a on like a very small stage with five people mm -hmm. behind me in choir robes and then the big reveal was the prayer yeah. stole with the, the black the names of the black lives matter piece and then it when um Darcy asked me to do it. Darcy is the uh, leader of the performance uh, dance performance group Sexitude. Mm -hmm. Like to do it with, it was just really wonderful to to be able to take this and allow it to expand. Which is what's great about a a creative a, a tactical performance or an act of creative resistance is that. They're not like art pieces in the sense that you're like trying to make them to sell them. And so you want to keep them, keep the secrets of it yes. away from people or like you don't want to refute, have, you know, you worry about a premiere and, you know, like that doesn't matter. Like a create, like the, the best thing about a, a, an act of creative resistance in this, in the, realm of this tactical performance is that it is replicable that you can be expanded or adjusted and so with that we added like i think 35 people 35 people i don't know how many people 25 a lot of people um behind that became the choir we made little bibs so they were wearing like pink triangle bibs on stage super colorful and they then they each had their own individual sign with a name on it, a mm -hmm. person who had been killed mm -hmm. um, uh, by p police brutality. And and then they turned the sign over and revealed the larger message. That was, <sighs> it was, it was so amazing. It's always really that, it's a Patti LaBelle number and you just can't really go wrong with it. And it's just like, change is gonna come Right. And it's really about trying to inspire people that change just like to get into it. Change mm -hmm. has got to come. It's going to come. Mm -hmm. Get on board. Yes. You know, I want to it's a I want that to me was about that call in. Yes. Um, I want something interesting about that piece. The names. I had a few names initially. My friend Stephanie Wilkes um, found like the initial like I think five names for me. And which is wonderful, and they were names we knew, right? Uh, Penny Proud, um, uh, Trayvon Martin, um, uh, who else? M Michael Brown. Michael Brown, and say her name. You know, Sandra Bland. Sandra Bland. Okay. Um, but then we had twenty-five people, and we needed twenty-five, and that was hard. And just like reading those story, like it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I'm just like, 
how much more trauma do like just I have to just like walk out into the world and people can I don't I literally don't know if someone's just gonna hurl the word nigger at me at some point you you'd think I think a lot of my many of my friends are not necessarily black <laughs> per se and you just I don't think they think that like I walk out the door because I'm happy you know and that like I literally like one of the things that I think is I'm just like are any of these people <laughs> going to shout something racist sexist or both which is more or less what happens hey brown sugar um at me I anyway and so I'm like I I've managed to keep that you know the the smile on my face but like reading 25 stories of police police brutality to uh, black and brown people was too much for me and um, my choreographer Carrie Santi DeLuki was like I'll do it like volunteered found the names mm-hmm. read about each of the names like sent it out to the dancers saying mm-hmm. read up on each of your names mm-hmm. so that you can own a piece of this you can hold the person really close to you as a being a part of this act of resistance like they you know get to know it and so I didn't have to read all of that and to me that is about community and you know Carrie is not a black person you know mm-hmm. um, but she she did that legwork yeah. and to me to, yeah that to me is like an ideal act of community is that like I can instigate it with this performance but then I can have like a crew of people who are equally committed to the act of resistance and wanting to um, learn and share and help and really you know support that and so it was just like um, really that for me was really amazing that I didn't have to do all of that work. And I'm like, oh God, I love it. When you like create critical, I mean, cre- creative resistance and tactical performance invites people in yes. to the process. And it, it it's a wonderful way of alleviating that. Art. The single artist yes. alone. Yeah. Art, yeah. <sighs> in the stewed. In the stewed. Yeah. DJ Reimer. Oh, <laughs> I just, I feel like I talked a lot. That's the, that's the point. I mean, that that's is, why we're, oh, that's why we're here to that's, talk. It's radio. Talk. It's the verbal, the Am audio medium. You, do I sound like I should be on NPR? NPR? Yeah. I would listen to your show. You'd listen to me if I talk like this. Yeah. I'd listen to you however you talk. All the time. Oh, <laughs> Roman, you're the best. Um, I, 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 I kind of. I worked at, um, I did the KLW Audio Academy. Mm-hmm. Oh, how was that? It's an amazing program. Okay. It's like nine months. Oh, wow. Of like deep radio immersion. And they really use you. So you're, you know, writing stories, you're producing stories, you are interviewing people, producing interviews. Um, it was phenomenal. And and it's you know it it is very inspiring it's really ins- it's in, it has inspired me to you know uh create a podcast mm. and and just yeah. you know pursue uh my own media content making um and i don't think i would have done it with without them and it is also just like these are really good people mm-hmm. who are like these are earnest honest 
loving people who, you know, are not making like fat salaries. They are just committed to this work and committed to quality work. And it's just like, it's a beautiful place. And I was, it really restored my faith in like a workplace that Mm -hmm. could be amazing. Yeah. So props to you, KLW. You're doing it good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also so important to also kind of create in terms of creating content and wanting to create the world that we want to live in. Like it's so easy to talk about what's wrong and like talk about what's problematic. And there's so much every time I'm on Netflix or some other, it's like, Oh, can't watch this because of this person or because this is what this is about. Seriously. And then it's, I also know part one part of the solution is to create content of one's own. Hell yeah. Like there's two things that I'm going to, I want to like, um, talk about hijack your show and talk about but the first one okay I'm going to say them first so I don't forget one is my media diet but mm, I'm on my yes. viewing diet yes yeah and then the other thing I wanted to talk about was um queer ambition Ooh, yeah okay. <laughs> so first I'll talk about my media diet yeah so for the past year and a half two years I guess now all of last year so maybe past year, um, I've been on a meet. I've given myself a media diet, um, and that media diet is sort of like, okay, you are watch. You're going to be watching when you're opting to like Netflix or Amazon or whatever your um, steez is. You're going to be looking for narratives that center uh, queer or uh, folks of color mm-hmm. as as like me I think I started out as main characters central yes you know and then it was central characters yes and then it was like of the central there is a supporting character just because it got real real slam pickings yeah um at first but it's just been a great diet to bring a lot of awareness to myself about how much I am colonized by images of folks that don't look like me Mm mm-hmm and um, I recommend this for everyone yes. because I think that the more we are able to get into each other's experiences, the, the, the just the better it we, maybe the more considerate we can be. I mean, um, at least that's the, that's a theory. That's my working theory. Uh, I think that like a lot of folks of color are used to looking at predominantly white narratives mm-hmm. and then being able to use their imagination yeah. right like we can all do this yeah to to adjust it so that we can feel the story for ourselves and i think that that's like a skill that is underdeveloped in yes. folks who are seeing constantly only seeing images of that representing them so yes. then they're like i think my mother-in-law my um my husband is a trans jewish man and i <laughs> as a trans jewish man i'm like yay Oh yeah, it's nice. a it's yeah. a full win for yeah. me, and I got a Jewish mom out of the whole deal, so that is really cool. Um, but uh, you know, I was like talking to her about book, like my diet. It's a media diet, so yeah. it's books, it's just like yes, everything. Yes. And she's like, "Oh, I read this book. You look at it." I was like, "So does it the central black characters or brown characters or queer characters?" And she's like, mm-hmm. "No." And I was like, "Yeah." Um, nah, I don't think I'm interested in she's like why it's probably a really good book and I was like well I mean there's just so many books to read that like I'm sure I can find another like another book and I was like yeah. here's a book it was an Octavia Butler book yes and I was like 
Why don't you read this? Octa- you should read this Octavia Butler yes. book. It's really inc- Dawn, the Xenogenesis series. That's what okay. it originally was called, but then they changed it to like Lilith's Brood or something. Anyway, whatever. I know a lot about these books. Um, but uh, I was like, it's really a page turner. Like, Dawn is just such a good sci fi, like, oh, like post-apocalyptic race politics mm. is deep black woman is savior of the earth but kind of put into in a catch-22 by some aliens like mm. they pick this black woman like they all the aliens like apocalypse happen yeah boom apocalypse yes like uh one single black woman wakes up in a spaceship is like what the fuck am i crazy looking aliens roll out and she's like where are the yeah. Then they start talking or communicating or however they do because they're like they have tentacles, and they explain that uh, humans kind of destroyed their Earth, mm-hmm. and um, they have saved them, and they are want to mate with the remaining human race because they are creatures that are gene traders. Okay. And they want to mate so that they can propagate right uh-huh. and so and they're like and we did a bunch of like tests on you yeah um also by trial and error waking up other people and we've determined you're the you're really the best fit yeah to wake up the other humans and let them know that this is their fate yeah and she's like so here's the thing that you've missed is that i'm a black woman and you're gonna send me in to wake up and tell people that uh, aliens are going to trade with their dream- genes. Like the politics of this, like you are missing. You probably don't know because yeah. you have tentacles and are purple. That being black is kind of like a thing on Earth. That this is not going to be very well received. Yeah. And you've decided I'm like I have all of the strength, wisdom, and mm-hmm. not like whatever to be this savior person. But you just you know haven't you haven't had the benefit of like america's like history of white supremacy yeah (laughs) so it's so great aliens have that luxury oh my god like right i mean it's a it's like such a good book Mm. like octavia butler rest Mm. in peace but why did they take her like there are so many other people so many other people um but but that that so that book I was just like it's a page turner you're gonna love it and she was just like mm. I was like because I I basically told her what I said yeah and she's like yeah I don't think I'll find it of interest and I was like because mm. it's coming from like a black perspective mm. like and we talked to she's lovely and we talked to we really talked about it I mean they're very just open and plain they're like we love you isn't that enough and I'm like no but I love you like I love you yeah and it's not enough, but yes. I love, like, what is enough? Like, enough is equality. Like, equity yeah. is yes. enough. Equity yes. is enough. You know, not even just equality. I don't just need half. I, we, we, we need equity. And equity is like a way of life, and it's a way of thinking, and it's a way of being able to think about your fellow person and try to constantly be, like, thinking about the, the imbalance of power. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I so she she was a little bit like no, and then we had a really incredible conversation all about um, you know why 
why I what I do as a as an uh, equity uh, an arts and equity consultant and why it's really important and why uh, it's not enough mm-hmm. that like having like a little bit of like she's like you guys just bought a house and it's really great and it's like yes that is great and still yes not enough right right like right. I, like me one person succeeding not enough like this there needs to be a whole sea level change yeah yes for queer folks and queer folks of color before it's going to be enough there needs to be a entire um radical shift yep. in our government where people do not um want to murder us or extinguish us from being in existence or ignore us into existence like we're not on sense like there's no there's something lacking in the census data yeah 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 like so we're not recorded we like our history is illusory because it's happened behind closed doors so no not enough Mm -hmm. not enough Mm -hmm. we had a rich conversation and like you know i think that it's hard for her to hear. It was hard for her to hear that it wasn't enough, but to also, it was what was the most salient thing is that I think we were able to move to the point where she, she could understand that my love is not conditional. I love her. Mm-hmm. I love her as she is. Yes. And like, and this is the work that I've chosen to, to do mm-hmm. and that I will put forth to her work that she could do optionally. Yes. Right. Um, and that it doesn't, but it doesn't, but I will still always be unre- like un um, unrelenting about the work that needs to be done. Yeah. Both like we, the work that needs to be done doesn't change whether or not you're you don't you want to or don't want to do it or whether you're tired of it or whether it is a nuisance. Right. The work <laughs> is all the work that needs to be done is there and it needs to be done. Yeah. And so we can exist in these two worlds. In fact, we have to. I have to exist in the schism of being statistically in like a the most marginalized, a, a very marginalized group, and yet uh, being, you know, very privileged to have gone to college, to have had these municipal jobs that I can thumb my nose at, and you know, you know, to have the luxury of pursuing, you know, to even say. I want to do, you know, work that makes me feel good in my heart. And mm-hmm. I'm going to start a consulting agency and pursue my art. Like that is a privilege. So these, we live, we live in dualities. And mm-hmm. so I think it was, I was just very, so happy to have this conversation with her and just made me love her more. And I'm just like, that's the work that I will do for the people that are closest to me in my life. Otherwise I get to get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, um, but it leads me to um, something that I would like to talk about, which is queer ambition. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I am all about. We have to think bigger. We have to like expect more mm-hmm. of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Expect more of our community. We have to aggressively pursue information. <sighs> yes. You know, yes. like it's. I think that it, it's really hard. I'm not saying it's not hard, but it's already hard. Mm-hmm. So like, let's like, so let's set some dreams. Like let's like set some targets that are not about like, I want to pay my rent 
you know, on the, the first of the month, which is a legit target. Mm-hmm. That first of the month is going to come and you're going to have to pay it whether or not you set a target that's like, I can't, I want to bring my work internationally. Yeah. Right. The tar- So setting the target far afield, like and, and in alignment with your ambition yes. is like what's critical. So over the horizon that you can see past that horizon, you need to set beyond what you can currently fathom for yourself is where you need to set your target, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't change what's happening in front of you, but it will inform the decisions that you make as you move forward, yes. as you hit each rent date, as you hit each paycheck, as you, as opportunities come to you, when you have that, like, I'm going to be an international, you know, an internationally exhibited artist or performance artist, etc. Like you can start to say like, is this a decision that's going to take me closer to that point far afield? Yes. Further away or to the side and shit can change. Your goals can change. Mm-hmm. Just set a new target. Yeah. Always far afield. I I like, I talked to someone, Kat Avasco, who is um, is uh, showcasing her play Mommy Queerist, um, queer Filipino oh. um, uh, one woman show about, you know, her uh, queer family, like, well, a narrative of queerness that is in her family, in her uh her mom, I believe, uh, that, but her mom does not own the identity of queer or gay or anything, but it's just like, they are like, it's clear. Like, so the whole show is her being like, but wait, like you and this woman who's raising me, who you're like together with, you guys are together. Right. And like, you know, just like mom is never saying that. And so, so you have this like queer, there's like this queerness to your identity, but like it's, you're not quite a gayby, right? Mm-hmm. And I have a similar story. You know, my my mom is in a relationship with a woman that she will not call a girlfriend, lover or wife, mm-hmm. right? Like just none of those things. Mm-hmm. And But yet uh, Lori at times in my life has been more available than my own father, mm. right? And... You know, it's it's like how do I I don't know how to I just say Lori. Yeah. You know, Lori. My my mom's Lori. Yeah. <laughs> like, like she, you know, like what is Lori? She's our Lori. You know, I don't I don't I don't know and I don't I don't actually have to know and that that so that it's just it's that show is is happening and it's just like for me to see to hear um and see that story. It's like representation. Mm -hmm. We all have so many different stories and like we need to have queer ambition to get them out there. Mm. So like try to get on the radio, try to build an audience um, on social media. You know, the other thing that I think about is that like you, we, we often know the, um, the pathways that are most known, which are most mainstream, which are mostly for like white cisgender people. Yes. Right. Yes. And it's great. Like you are doing acting in a mainstream, like kind of system. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's important for us to be there. It's important for, because your ambition may take you there, right? Mm -hmm. You may end up there. Um, Or you're already there, but other, you know, it's, like if you want to make some cash, like right, like that's that industry has that money, but 
it's also important at the same time to think about how can I find my audience? Like, yes. Who yes. needs to see me? Yes. Right. Like, and that is a very interesting question when you start to think about what the internet has done for us mm-hmm. and what like online communities and building online communities, like creating, you know, it fascinates me like that, you know, that somebody in like Missoula, Missoula. Yeah. Like I maybe no. Let's fix something like even further afield, like a very small town, Harold, Kentucky. Okay, Harold, Kentucky, uh, can have like a be like a personal trainer could have like a hundred thousand followers, mm-hmm. and it's like like a woman in her garage doing reps, you know, like mm-hmm. like sort of like this is how you do it, and this is how I do my workout, like yeah. this person is real I don't know if they're in Kentucky but this is a real person that I'm drawing this story from but and like that person can put out you know a product or have a subscription or something that like provides them income Mm -hmm. right and that this relationship is not exactly transactional it's that like people have already like bought in they they want to see you yeah and people want to see real people it's just like an exciting thing like i mean i have like you know friends kids that have their own youtube channels like and and followers yeah. or what have you and I, so i'm just like we there are millions of people in this world billions of people so yeah. let's not let our vision be so small of like i can't get in hollywood or i can't it's like where where do we have agency yes you know, and like, let's carve those places out and try to go after those streams of income. But mm-hmm. maybe it can be a more authentic relationship of yeah. like, like you're here to like, you're supporting me in my endeavor, say you, you're acting or, or your, um, you know, radio DJ. Wicca, wicca. Okay. I'm so lame. Roman. Why do you let me make terrible jokes? That's not a, a terrible joke. No? Okay. Did Although I, I have heard the the word lame shouldn't be used. Oh my that. God, you're right. So. That is ableist, isn't it? Yeah. No, or it, it uh, might, it's just rude. Yeah. So let me say, oops. And let's talk about what a better word would be to use. And I like that, actually. I like the idea of me playing records on the record player that sounds like something i could aspire to excellent <laughs> i'd i would i would pay money for that online i'd be a follower and i would send you like a ten dollar donation regularly Aww. um yeah no so queer ambition like let's explore different avenues set that target far afield and then also start to like examine what are the steps that you need to make to get to where you need to go. Like, I think that I'm going to talk about one other thing Mm -hmm. just because I can't stop artist development talking. I want to talk about goal setting. Yeah. So an interesting, um, a really great book for artists is, um, making your life as an artist by Andrew Simonette. Um, it's, 
it's a book and a workbook and the book is really magical. I use it a lot in my practice. I use it a lot like as a consultant, as an artist, just like, it's just such a resource and I love to tell everyone about it because it just, there's, there's some magic there and some support there. That's wonderful. Um, but in there, he really articulates, um, I think what's a really common sort of uh, understanding around how to set goals, but he articulates it really well. And he talks about internal goals mm. and external goals that many people are like, ah, I want to be skinny, which is like, that is like, that's not like, nece- like that's so arbitrary. That's like, what is skinny? Yeah. Who's deciding what skinny is? How do you like, it's not a good goal, mm-hmm. right? So he talks about external goals as um, things that uh, have external uh, things that are reliant okay. on, on achieving that goal. So I want to be on what show, what's your dream show in Hollywood? I, I'm ever. so, I am also on a kind and of a media a diet. diet where I'm like, oh, problematic. Nope. This guy's an asshole. Nope, right. Nope. <laughs> dream show. Um, I'm having um, Star Trek. Um, I've heard good things about Star Trek. I just haven't. we'll go with it. Okay. We'll just go with it. Yes, like um, you want to be on Star Trek, right? Um, I want to be instant and instant on the new Star Trek. Yeah, right. That is a external goal uh-huh. that is too specific. Uh-huh. Right, like because if if you don't get there then you have failed, mm, right? You're, so you've set yourself up because you're like, there's so many variables to get to be on Star Trek oh, and sure. to be an ensign and all of these things. And like, so when you are looking at external goals you like that, you want to think, okay, what is Star Trek? It's a science fiction show. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is has a network you know, like solid network contractor deal. It's like mm-hmm. on, on mainstream network. So, mm-hmm. okay, maybe you want to be on a mainstream net. You want to be a like sort of like car- a, a, a like not a primary or yeah. character, but like a like sort of ancillary character with speaking roles mm-hmm. on a science fiction show yeah. that has network distribution. Sure. Right. So now you're just like, okay, let's go see what are the science fiction shows that have network distribution. Yes. Like, because it could be any of those things. And I'm, we're making, it's just an example, but like, that's just about how you get specific with external goals or I want to be a, like a d- dance artist choreographer at joshua tree or jacob's pillow that's what it is or jurassic that's another one jacob's pillow or jurassic and you're like well how about um a contemporary dance a lauded temporary dance contemporary dance festival or residency program in the united states or internationally now you can now you have something to work with yes right like and then internal goals where you're like, I want to be skinny, not a good internal goal. So an internal goal is something that you have control over. It's just to you. I see. I want better work habits. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, I want, I want better work habits. Okay. Well, that's really broad. So how do we like, look at like, like slimming that down into something that is like, 
actionable. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, well, how much time do like how am I working? So investigating your working habits. Like, what do you really? What do you really want to like change about your working habits? Me, mm-hmm. I would like to make better use of time I think like I'm a, I'm procrastinating is something I do especially if I'm like my own boss if I'm working on my own creative projects or it's really up to me as to when I can finish something mm-hmm. I'll just take my time doing it and I would like to be more maybe efficient at completing tasks I set out for myself okay so I think we could start to work into like a goal that would be like 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 you want to get tasks done in X amount of time, mm-hmm. right? Like, so if it's been taking you a month to get around to do things, yes. then, I mean, or like say, do you have deadlines or these deadline things or just like your Not book really. or something like that? Oh, my book. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> that, oh yeah. Yes. So, but like setting, like what if, if like, when do you work on your book? There's not any specific time. Great. Okay. So we could start there. Yeah. Right. We can start to think of specific times, but, but like, you might want to be like, I just need to work on my book. Like I need to work on it 20% more. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I would say if your goal had been to work, if you'd been working on it once a week, you're like, what is 20% more? Right. Right. Like really tangible specific goals yes that you can achieve and that you can use i would say think about things in two-year periods okay because it takes a while to build especially in terms of like a a habit Mm -hmm. and i think it gives you like some room to mess up and come back and mess up and come back so definitely like like think okay i'm gonna add 20 minutes more to this idea you know, anyway, if you were doing the 10 pounds, cause I think it's easier. You would just say, instead of, I want to be skinny, you would say, I want to lose 10 pounds mm-hmm. or in two years, I'd like to be something reasonable, like 20, I would like to lose 20% of my body weight, you know, mm-hmm. like be healthy guys. Love yeah. your bodies too. Yeah. Like only if it's going to make you feel healthier. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Otherwise stay thick. Yes, I totally support that. Day thick, Lizzo style. Yeah. Um, Well, unfortunately, we're coming out to the end of the episode. This was really great, and I'd love to talk with you some more another time for sure. And we'd love to be great if you were interested in having a show here at Mutiny as well. I am on board. I'm so, like, this coming year, you're going to be my mentor, um, my Mutiny Radio. Oh, yeah. Mentor. I would be, I'd be, I'd be honored to. Ah. I love a love fest. I really do. Um, Queers, y'all. Yes. Queer ambition. Hashtag queer ambition. So before we go, um, briefly, is there anything you'd like to plug or any upcoming events you wanted to talk about? Oh, right. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm performing tonight at the SF Oasis at um, it start doors are at 10 p.m. and I'm just it's a it's kind of a floor show because I'm just like rejecting the stage right now, um, and so I'm gonna wait for a critical density density of people. It's kind of like an 80s workout, um, you know, hosted by drag queens and other fabulousness. But like you can come in all your 80s workout gear and listen to really fun dance music by DJ Homebrew. Um, Darcy Drawlinger is the um, hostess with the mostest. I am the on the floor party starting MC. I like to get a little bit 
raunchy. Mm-hmm. I like to talk a lot about vaginas on the floor. Vaginas are great. <laughs> Basically, if you give me a mic, I will just start repeating the word vagina because I just feel like we all should just hear it more and get comfortable with the vagina. Vagina, vagina, vagina. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And on that note. On that note, uh, thank you, Spreetress, so much for being here and hope to speak with you again on the air and off the air. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening in to Mutiny Radio. Coming up next is Women's Magazine with Global Val, followed by the Common Thread Collective. If you would like to support this show, there's a Patreon account. You can check out patreon.com slash weeklyrev. Um, anything you can help donate would be greatly appreciated. So thanks again, Beatrice, for being here. Thank you, all the listeners out there. And we'll be back next Friday. Have Vagina. A great- Vagina. Have a great week, everybody. Fire, this heart's on fire, this heart's on fire